Hello, and welcome to this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. I'm your host, Karen Livingston, editor of Air Cargo World. Today, I'm joined by Kathy Roberson. Kathy is the founder and president of Logistics Trends and Insights, LLC, and a regular contributor to Air Cargo World. You can find her weekly columns on aircargoworld.com under the Consultant Insights series. Kathy, welcome back to the podcast, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Karen. One of Kathy's typical coverage areas for Air Cargo World is the express market, and several of her more recent columns have covered various elements of express operations and some of the changes and investments the major express companies are making. We'll be discussing some of these trends and changes in today's episode. Uh, To begin, now that we're in a new year, uh, and of course, looking back, 2020 was was a difficult year for aviation, but it was a pretty great year for the express, uh, for the big express companies. Uh, It seems largely due to the increase in e-commerce. So uh, first of all, uh, as we're looking back at either preliminary guidance or or the quarterly earnings in in some cases, Basically, all the companies, uh, FedEx, UPS, and DHL, had had some strong 2020 performance. Uh, So uh, most recently, uh, we looked at DHL and its preliminary guidance, um, which outperformed their 2020 expectations, driven by e-commerce. UPS was a similar story for its its most recent quarterly report, which was for the third quarter. And then... uh, Kathy, you also covered FedEx's latest quarterly earnings in in December, and uh, FedEx saw also some strong gains from e-commerce. So as we're looking across these these, uh, reports for 2020, um, are we mostly seeing kind of what we expected based on on the increase in e-commerce last year, or were there any surprises uh, on your end from from what we've seen? We, Nina, E-commerce has been um, a growing trend within the uh, express market. This has been a a big focus area for UPS, FedEx, and DHL prior to the pandemic. And I think with when the pandemic hit back in March, um, it just amplified it even more. Particularly when you look at the at the ground, the last mile deliveries. Uh, normally for FedEx and UPS, especially, the volumes are usually pretty even between B2B and B2C. However, this past year, we saw it completely tilt towards B2C, and it's still high. The end of last year, it's still hovering well above 60% of all, probably closer to 70% of all volumes was that B2C that residential delivery, which is very um, um, an expensive move for uh, providers such as them to do. But uh, it's just, like I said, it amplified it even more, uh, the need for this quick inventory replenishment for e-commerce uh, demand. Right, yeah, we did, uh, as you said, we saw a, a big increase in, in B2C and uh I believe uh, in DHL's preliminary guidance, they also mentioned that uh, there may be some return in, a, in their B2B uh, shipments as well toward the end of the year. So uh, it does seem like we are headed uh, t- toward more growth. I know that uh, kind of earlier in 2020, there was some question 
about, you know, is this, is this growth really specific to the pandemic or are we going to, you know, is this just, we've totally changed the growth trajectory for, uh, for e-commerce. Yeah, that's, that's a big question coming into the new year is how much is this e-commerce going to stick? You know, while we're all still at home, we're not going to the stores, um, you know, how much, and, and, you know, most analysts believe it, you know, we will return to the stores, of course, but we also, they, a a lot of folks believe that e-commerce is, is, is really here to stay. Carol Tomei from uh, CEO of UPS uh, firmly expects it to be, uh, to remain at least 20%, if not higher of total retail sales throughout the rest of this year. So, it's just a matter of how do you handle uh, this this huge volume increase and 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 such, you know, to meet those same day, next day deliveries. Right. Yeah. I mean, as you said, they are still uh, kind of anticipating these uh, these strong results. Although it does seem that uh, that the companies are still a bit hesitant to kind of put out that guidance as things have been uh, still pretty unstable and. I think there's there seems to be kind of a wait and see as the vaccine rollout progresses as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it's so much is unknown. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they are all uh, didn't provide really any clear, concise guidance of uh, what to expect in 2021. Right, and then uh, in in UPS's uh, third quarter, they also. Uh, attributed some of that increase to, to strong demand from, from Asia and growth, growth from uh, SME businesses as well. And uh, the growth in, in uh, Asia Express operations is something that, uh, that you've covered uh, previously on, on Air Cargo World. So uh, uh, from your perspective, uh, how do you see that market uh, kind of developing over the next year or so? I think it's going to continue to be strong. Uh, a lot of this, uh, the, this, the goods moving on the Trans-Pacific Lane, a lot of that is e-commerce focused. A lot of it is um, inventory replenishment for for manufacturers. Um, you know, for the automotive industry. You know, bless them. Uh, you know, they they they've got their own issues. You know, with the whole semiconductor shortages, parts mm-hmm. and and such as that to get them up and running. Majority of that comes from from Asia. Uh, we're still getting PP, PPE um, um, equipment and, and supplies as well. And that's going to be ongoing uh, for the foreseeable future as well. So lots of uh, pent-up demand, you know, that inventory that was delayed earlier last year. Now it's, it's uh, picking back up um, as manufacturers and um and e-commerce uh demands start growing right and uh some of these companies uh they do seem to be preparing for kind of ongoing increases in in demand uh our sister publication cargo facts uh which covers uh freighter aircraft transactions has has been reporting on some of this growth recently uh including the dhl order for eight more triple seven freighters and uh the news of FedEx acquiring a triple seven freighter from from Etihad that Etihad had operated uh, for FedEx during during the recent peak season. So, uh, yeah. So, from your perspective, then uh, do you do you also 
kind of agree that these companies are preparing for, you know, pretty substantial increases in in Express and in International Express uh, in the years ahead. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. In fact, um, in the uh, FedEx quarterly earnings, um, they had uh, mentioned that their goal, FedEx's goal, is to try to take market share uh, from the uh, from other players, um, and they estimate maybe by 2023, 2024, before um, passenger airlines return to the you know when we're fully back in terms of capacity. So they've been very aggressive uh, working with with existing customers, new customers. Uh, uh, working out various contracts and, and such as that. And, and I'm assuming, and my apologies, I shouldn't assume, but I would imagine UPS is doing similar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, yeah, the express market was really among the shining stars when it comes to airline, you know, air, air freight uh, this past year. And I think they're going to continue. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, on on the topic of uh, of UPS, uh, they've they've announced plans to kind of uh, shift their strategy a bit. As uh, Carol Tomei, the new uh, CEO and an Aircar World executive to watch for 2021, uh, has taken the helm there. Uh, she stated, I know in in earnings last year, that the strategy going forward will focus on kind of improving efficiency and and streamlining some of their operations over direct growth, and uh, also mentioned that. Uh, that that strategy included turning down the option to purchase uh, some additional 747 freighters as, as Boeing winds that uh, program down. So I, this is a, a bit of a, a topic focused more for our sister publication, but, uh, uh, but while we're on the subject, uh, how, how might we interpret the different fleet strategies uh, of UPS versus uh, these, these announced acquisitions from uh, DHL and FedEx? kind of interesting isn't it mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, you know it was it was really interesting when when miss um, tomei came out and said that you know they were streamlining operations this goes clear across all their divisions down to the last mile where they're getting pickier uh with what kind of a, a customer they want they're not going after it, well let me back up it's not all about volume and mm-hmm. i think that shows in, you know, in their express division as well. It's not all about volume. They want the right volume. The right volume is the volume that makes them profits. And they've, they've invested heavily in technology, the ability to scale up and down and, and move their fleet where it's needed throughout the world. And I think we saw that this, this, um, this past year, Whereas the focus wasn't necessarily all on the domestic U.S. market. Instead, they were very busy on the Trans-Pacific lane. They were busy on the uh, the Atlantic lane, you know, focused on those areas. But they were able to flex if they needed an extra plane, say, from Dallas to New York. You know, they could easily do it than they could have a few years ago, where it would take forever and a day to do um, this is something they've worked really hard on. And, um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why they 
don't feel the need to have to build up additional uh, fleet capacity. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the timing really does seem to line up well. The, uh, the kind of uh, streamlining and uh, improving efficiency is something that uh, that many companies were kind of forced into last year. So uh, this it does seem to offer some some benefits uh, over just kind of an ongoing expansion strategy as well. I think so. I think so. Um, you know, it was. I personally think it was a very um, a smart move uh, for UPS to hire uh, Miss Tomei as the CE as CEO. She was really the first outsider, mm-hmm. you know, because leading up to that, everyone had experience driving a package car, working in one of the sorting facility, and here she comes along. She's been on the board for UPS for years and years, but she retired from Home Depot as their CFO. Mm-hmm, so she's right. got that financial background. Mr. Abney, prior to her, had the operations background. So under his realm, they built out their operations. They strengthened their operations uh, and such. Now, under her guidance, they're going to take a step back and go, you know, we need to optimize all this. What's working, what's not. So I think it's pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. There should be uh, some uh, some interesting developments to watch for at UPS over the next couple of years. Definitely, definitely. Uh, on on another uh, subject, and something that you've you've covered pretty extensively on Air Cargo World, are uh, some of these express uh, companies kind of moving toward uh, the e-commerce market more more explicitly with uh, some of the most recently it was a uh, FedEx's Shop Runner acquisition. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of uh, focused on this as another symptom of the rise of e-commerce. So uh, uh, on uh, in our discussion today, then, uh, can you elaborate a bit on what marks that acquisition as a shift and how and how these companies are approaching the e-commerce supply chain? Well, it was, <laughs> this acquisition was one that, I have to admit, kind of took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for years and years, you saw... FedEx, UPS, DHL, buying up trucking companies, um, logistics providers, expanding their uh, logistics space. It's always about logistics in some form or another. This was a different type of acquisition. This was a pure e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was and it was it was surprising because ShopRunner is is a marketplace, it's a platform where retailers such as Nordstrom's, Under Armour can set up their, their virtual shop and, and sell, sell to you and me. And um, the gist of it is, is that they offer, if you become a member um, uh, of, of the platform, you get free two-day delivery, free returns. So I think the technology behind this platform is probably what attracted FedEx to it. Mm-hmm. They're building out an ecosystem. This is something that I wrote in a blog post as well. I see this more as building out this ecosystem where FedEx can control end to end the supply chain for this for this group of um, consumers, a group of retailers. And the data that they're going to get from all of this is going to be absolutely amazing. I think they're taking advantage of their partnership with Microsoft 
uh, to also build out more of this uh, real-time data and uh, be able to scale down to the zip code, find out the needs, and um, just tweak that last mile just a little bit more, just a little bit better perhaps than UPS can do it. So it's going to be, an, you know, it wasn't a huge acquisition. It was less than, I, it was less than a billion dollars because it, they bought it, it closed within what, a month or two. So that kind of tells me it wasn't huge from a financial perspective, but the knowledge they're going to get from this is going to be absolutely amazing. And um, and I also expect UPS to, to make a similar move. Hopefully this year, we'll see. Um, it's interesting because, you know, this now puts FedEx squarely into almost a, a, a competing against Amazon to, to an extent, mm-hmm. not, not entirely. But meanwhile, you have UPS being out on the sidelines, servicing everybody. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how FedEx's other uh, customers such as Target, Walmart, how they react mm-hmm. to this acquisition and such. And who's going to take priority over, um, whose who's volumes are going to take priority in that, in that delivery van or in that airplane? Right. Yeah. That's an interesting question as well as, uh, as kind of these rumors swirl around Amazon as a new express company. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How, how many, how many airplanes have they picked up within just the month? The past oh month? goodness. <laughs> that, um, that's something to keep an eye on. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah. Before we, uh, before we transition over to Amazon, which, <laughs> which could definitely be its own podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I did uh, also want to kind of delve into uh, to what you had to say about Walmart and its acquisition of Joyrun. Uh, it's interesting that at the same time as we're seeing these uh, express companies get into, you know, these direct e-commerce acquisitions, we're also seeing a major retailer like Walmart mm-hmm. uh, trying to build out its own uh, delivery options with, uh, with this acquisition. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm, so uh, do you do you see this as, uh, as similar to any other delivery platforms emerging, this, this Joy Run, or uh, does it foreshadow uh, a different direction that last mile delivery might be headed? Um, Joy Run is, is interesting. They're kind of like, they're kind of like roadie in a, in, a, in a way. So with Joy Run, if, you know, you download their app, if you're running to your local Starbucks, you know, you kind of make that note in the app and people who's around you may go, oh, while you're there, can you pick up this for me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's, it's that peer to peer last mile, which is slightly different than what you'd find from a DoorDash or an Instacart. And um, yeah, I mean, you talk about interesting. That was just kind of one of those huh, type of acquisitions. Um, I, I think they're kicking the tires on this. In fact, I think that's really Walmart's last mile strategy is let's just kick the tires. Uh, mm-hmm. Last mile cost. The last mile is the most expensive part of a supply of, of supply chains. It right. can, it can go up to like 40%, if not even higher for your total logistics span. So Walmart's been trying their best to keep, to lower those costs 
as much as they can because you know that's that's walmart walmart is a low cost type you know they want to provide the low cost best value for their customers they always have been and um so this is going to be an interesting acquisition i mean they also partner up with doordash um, and I think they did with Instacart at one time as well. It just depends on where you live in the country is who they partner up with uh, mm -hmm. for their last mile. But they still encourage you, the customer, to go to the store to pick up the stuff curbside or go into the store, depending on what, what you know, that's still their focus area. But you're right. Retailers, while the express companies are getting into retail, you know, e-commerce, retailers are getting into logistics. So mm -hmm. we have this acquisition. Don't forget Target. Target several years ago bought a crowdsource platform called Ship. And mm -hmm. um, they use it for their same day delivery. They also allow Ship to uh, operate separately from Target as well. So Ship does deliveries for other retailers such as Bat, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. Prior to that acquisition, Target acquired a company called Grand Junction, which is kind of like a TMS system in, 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 a, in a weird, quirky way, where it manages these crowdsourced uh, last mile uh, services. It's a technology company. One of their smartest moves that they could have made to manage this last mile. But just like Walmart, they Target wants people to come to the store to pick up their stuff. It's all about the store. Okay. Mm -hmm. So curbside in the store, whatever, they still want you to come there, but they want to give you that option just in case have right. a delivery at home. And I think that's going to be a, a growing trend. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to look at these, uh, some of these developments and, uh, and not see Amazon's effect on, on express and, and traditional retail as these other companies are, are kind of adapting to this new, uh, this exactly. new model. Exactly. You take it one more step further, see what they've been doing in China all these years. Amazon's learning from over there as well. So, and mm -hmm. so is Walmart for that matter, because they've partnered up and they have a little bit of an equity stake in JD.com as well. Not a whole lot, but there is some. So there's a lot of learnings from there also. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And in, in that same column, uh, you cite uh, expectations from a Morgan Stanley analyst that Amazon will launch third-party delivery in the U.S. this year now and uh, and grow to the size of of UPS by 2022. And as you as you mentioned, Amazon has been growing its fleet. Just uh, it seems like every week I read uh, in Cargo Facts about some some new freighters uh, on the way for Amazon. So oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, so as we're as we're looking at this uh, and kind of preparing for Amazon as an express company, uh, uh, what do you see that as as meaning in in this space, especially uh, in the U.S. Competition, yay! <laughs> uh, we need competition. Uh, mm -hmm. We need competition in express. We need competition in that last mile, and they're going to bring it. Now, I did cite this uh, Morgan Stanley. Um, uh, piece. It's interesting, but I also think they're stretching it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're just a little over-optimistic there. But 
with that being said, watch it tomorrow. <laughs> on the launch. Uh, no, I no. Uh, so um, it they will do it. It's just a matter of time. It really is. And you know they already have that last mile. They're going to keep building that out. They're going to keep adding those airplanes. All about meeting the exceeding the expectations of their customers. And um, yeah. Uh, you know, with more competition from folks like Amazon, it's going to hopefully drive down shipping costs uh, for the for the rest of the market. Mm -hmm. um, that that's what I'd like to see because uh, shipping costs, whether they're uh, air, ocean, road, rail, small package, whatever, they're high. They're they're mm -hmm. high, and um and and they're probably high for a good reason because a you know limited competition but also um they can do it mm -hmm. so hopefully this will help ease up some of that right. well i think that's a that's a good spot to wrap up our discussion for today but uh thank you again kathy uh, for joining me for this episode of, of on air with air cargo world it's always great to have you on thank you and uh thank you also to our listeners and to air cargo world's readers uh, you can download and listen to this podcast and other episodes at aircargoworld.com and on iTunes and Spotify. 